we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. There's some things that I believe the Holy Ghost is talking to me about to share with you tonight. And it's not a subject that you don't know about. But it's a subject that probably most people fail to practice the way the Bible says do so. Therefore, because they fail to practice the subject they know about, and I'm talking about Christians, fail to practice the subject they know about, they fail to benefit from the subject that's in the Bible. God is not withholding anything from His children. He's not. But there's always two sides to receiving anything from God. There's a Godward side and there's a manward side. And I know that's cursing in the city, cussing in the country to say something like that. You mean I've got to do something? Yes, according to the Bible, I have to do something to enjoy the benefits that God has provided for me through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Father provided salvation for me. Somebody said it's free of charge. It's not. Jesus shed His blood and gave His life for your salvation. It wasn't free to Him. You're free to partake of it, you understand. But somebody paid the price for your salvation. So everything we receive from God, there's a Godward side and there is a manward side. And I would say probably one of the greatest needs of understanding, besides being our minds being renewed by the Word of God, Dad Hagen used to say this over and over in some of his latter messages that I heard him preach. And in fact, I may have heard him preach his last message on this planet before he moved to heaven. But one of the things that he said, the greatest need in the body of Christ when he was on this earth, and I believe it's still the same today, the greatest need above all is the renewing of the mind with the Word of God. That's what it was. And so I want to move a little bit down lower, and I want to talk about something between your chin and your nose. It's called your mouth. We're going to see what God's Word has to say about what we should do with our mouth and with words that we speak, because it's a very important subject. Turn to Matthew chapter 21, and we'll start right there. In verse number 18, we'll start reading right there. Matthew chapter 21, and again, the reason I do this is I travel, you know, around the United States and periodically to other countries. And from what I can see, based on a person being born again, because we need to understand faith and love and the gifts of the Spirit and things like this, but something that would absolutely help the Christian the most, the most above any other Bible subject, the most, is practice the less by Christians. If the Bible is true, and you've got to make that decision, The subject that I'm about to talk to you about is one of the most important subjects for you as a Christian to know, understand, and put into practice. How do you know? The Bible says so. We're going to see what Jesus said. I give open book tests. So tonight I expect you to take tests with me. And we're going to have an open book test. And you cannot fail because it's in the Bible. But in Matthew 21 verse 18... It says, now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. 
This is speaking of Jesus Christ. Because we know his disciples were with him. It says, when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it. He walked up to a fig tree. Has anybody ever seen a fig tree? That's the kind of tree he walked up to. A fig tree. He walked up to a fig tree. How do you know? It's an open book test. I'm proud of you. It's in the Bible. He walked up to a fig tree and found nothing on the tree. He saw leaves on it, but there were no figs. When he found nothing on it, that means there was no fruit. There was no figs. Has anybody ever plucked a fig off the tree that was ripe and ate it? Anybody? Oh, did your lips smack one another when you was thinking about what you was going to do? I believe Jesus' lips were smacking one another. You know what I mean? He was hungry, the Bible says. He was hungry. And he was walking down the road and he was thinking about that fig. And when that leaf was on that tree, there should have been some figs on that tree. But there wasn't any figs on that tree. And so when he walked up to it... To he said he found nothing thereon. He's talking about found no figs, but he found the leaves only. And said unto it. Stop right there. Has anybody ever walked up to a fig tree? Have you? You can't fail this test. But have you done the next step? Have you said something to that fig tree? Jesus walked up to a tree and he said something to the tree. And this is what he said. He said, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever, and presently, which means right away, the fig tree did what? It withered away. How do you know? The Bible says so. He walked up to the tree. He said to the tree, Let no man eat fruit, or let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever, and presently the fig tree withered away. Verse 20. When the disciples saw it, because they were there, they're witnesses to it, they marveled. They were amazed. They were astonished. And they said, how soon, how in the world, what happened? This thing is withered away. It's dried up. It's died. Verse 21. And Jesus answered and said unto them, which applies to you and to I. Verily, I say to you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. He said, not only can you talk to a fig tree and command it to die, but if you speak to a mountain and tell it to get out of your way, it's going to be done. Isn't that what the Bible says? How do we know? The Bible says so. He said, not only shall you do this, which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say to this mountain. So he was there by mountains. If you've been to Israel, there's little mountainous places around. And no doubt he was seeing a physical mountain and he was talking about physical dirt just like he was spoke to a physical tree. 
And by the way, when you get to moving those mountains with your words, I know some contractors that wants to hire you. Because then they will have to have bulldozers and excavators. And I believe as we come in this end time, you're going to be moving physical mountains with your words. But if you don't start revving up now, you're not going to have the juice to do it when you get there. That's good country talk for city folks. you got to practice this. you got to practice your faith. So, can I tell you about a true life experience that I had? Over in Georgia, middle Georgia, middle to southern Georgia, I've got 240 acres of land, 240.269. On this land, I had a 3,000-foot landing strip. I'm a pilot, been a pilot since 1988. And I wanted a landing strip on this property. And I got me an 1,100-gallon fuel tank because they would bring me 500 gallons of fuel at a time. And I could buy it at more of a wholesale rate. I like to save money. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like to save money. And so I had this strip there. And after all the equipment left and everything was ready to land, well, I went in there with my twin-engine, fire-breathing, Holy Ghost-anointed aircraft. Whoa, right down over the trees. The neighbors come running out of the house. My God, Jesus is coming. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's two 540 cubic inch engines hanging on the wings of these airplanes. 1,180 cubic inches of engine blowing fire out of them coming over your house. You better get ready. Jesus is coming. <laughs> so I noticed on approach to this runway, there was a giant Georgia pine. I hadn't noticed this. The guy that was putting the strip in with all these big pans and dirt movers and excavators and bulldozers and all that, we hadn't noticed this. And you really didn't pay any attention to it until you was on approach to the runway. And on the, if you was coming in from the south, it'd be on the left. If you was coming in from the north, it would be on your right. And this giant Georgia pine was kind of down in a ravine. It was hard to get to. I mean, if you'd have wanted to cut it down, I mean, you'd have had to have a big saw. And the limbs of this giant Georgia pine just kind of stuck out over by the runway. As long as you duck under it, everything's fine. But somebody says if you run into a limb on a tree with an airplane things get ugly quick. You know what I mean? And you don't want to get ugly. You want to look as pretty as you can, you know? So I remember landing that plane. I landed it, and I thought about it. And I was walking, and I parked by the airplane and by this big fuel tank that we had there, you know, just admiring all this stuff, you know, and what God had blessed me with. And, and I, I, I was looking at that pine tree, and I got to thinking about this story. Jesus spoke to a fig tree. And that fig tree, I know, was smaller than this giant Georgia pine. You've got some giant Mississippi pines, I'm sure, around here. You know, because it's got weather to produce those kind. Well, this is pine tree, and I'm standing there, and I thought about Jesus talking to the fig tree, cursing it and dying. And I thought, well, I could pay a company to come in here and take that thing out. Because I didn't have the equipment. I mean, if this thing didn't come down right, it's going to mess up the runway. You know, all kinds of stuff that we'd done spent thousands upon thousands of dollars. If it failed the wrong way, the top come out, you know, it, it, it just cost me too much money. 
and, and I didn't have the equipment to do it. I was a country boy. Now, we was taught to tackle anything. But I thought, man, this thing can tear up a lot of stuff here. And I got to thinking, well, Jesus spoke to a fig tree. And I know this is a little doubt and unbelief in this, but just forgive me and just, just humor me. I got to thinking in my mind, well, could I speak to that tree and curse it and command it to die and get out of my way off of my landing strip? Now, I like trees. I'm just as, you know, kind of trees as you are. I never hugged any. You know, I, they, they got some. They got some folks that do it, you know what I mean? They call them tree huggers. And so I'm not... I'm not against a tree hugger if you want to go hug your tree. But uh, but I'm not against a tree. But it's the tree's in my way. And I was walking around down there with this and thoughts in my mind. And every now and then I'd look up at that tree, you know, and I'd say, that thing's in my way. I just wonder if I could speak to it and command it to die, would it? A little doubt and belief in that, unbelief in that. But God will put up with a little doubt and unbelief when you don't know any better. Now, when you know better, he won't. But I had never talked to a giant Georgia pine. In fact, I couldn't remember talking to any tree. But I had chapter and verse for it in more than one place in the Bible. We got it. And so I decided, standing out there, that I was going to speak to that giant Georgia pine and I was going to command that tree to die and get out of my way and get off of my landing strip. So before I, I spoke, now I'm out in a rural area, by the way. It's not in the city, but out in a rural area. But I wanted to make sure that nobody was around that could hear me. <laughs> you know, if, if they'd have heard me talking to a pine tree in the country where I was at, they'd have sung that song over me. Y'all remember that song? They're coming to take him away. Ah, they're coming. You go to talking to a doggone fig tree or a pine tree or any kind of tree. Oh, they're going to sing that song. They're coming to take them away. So I looked around to make sure there wasn't no farmers in the next field over. You know, it's a farmer, you know, uh, farming several hundred acres on the other side of the fence. Make sure none of him and his son was out there anywhere. Looked around, made sure nobody was around. And, and I just looked at that fig tree. said, Brother Randy, did you feel silly? A little silly? No. I felt a whole lot silly. I mean, it's a difference between feeling a little silly and feeling a whole lot silly. I didn't know if it'd work or not. I mean, I believe the Bible. But I spoke to that pine tree. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I said, I command you to dry up and die. And you limbs have got to get out of my way so I can land my airplane safely on this strip that I had put in here and had placed here. Said, Brother Randy, what happened? Somebody said, I know. It dried up immediately. It looked like to me it started growing taller. I'll be honest with you. It looks like to me. And then it looked like the limbs got longer. So, every time that I would go down to that strip, I would say it like this. After you set it in faith, you don't have to cover that same ground again. This is the way I said it. I said, tree, I've already talked to you and I've commanded you to die and dry up and get out of my way so that your limbs are not hanging out over my landing strip here on this piece of property. I said, when did you do it? Every time I went down there, I would say to that tree, of course, I made sure that there's nobody looking around. 
around, you know, and seeing me. And I would tell that tree that. Well, I spoke to that tree that way for approximately a year, two years, almost three years. Nothing happened except it grew taller. The limbs got longer. And it looked like that it was going to overpower the landing strip. And we're going to have to hire somebody to come in there. But I dare not say it. I didn't look at the tree and say, you, woo, you getting taller. Woo, you limbs are getting longer. Woo-wee. Oh, doggies, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. No, I would just say to that tree, because Jesus said something to a tree, I've already cursed you and I've already commanded you to die. I said, Brother Rand, did you feel a little silly? No, felt a whole lot silly because it looked like it wasn't working. But ladies and gentlemen, I kept saying it, and one day, one day, I pulled out on that landing strip on my four-wheel drive truck, and I took a look down through there, and guess what happened? The top of that thing was turning brown. You know, pine needles are green, but it was turning brown. And I noticed down on the edges it was turning brown. And God is my witness, that tree is dead today. And that tree is gone. And it no longer hangs over my landing strip. Now, this is your question that you wanted to ask. And so I'm going to ask it for you. (laughs) Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, you know. (laughs) Why did you have to talk to the fig tree for almost three years before it left? Well... You answer this question, and I'll answer that one. Why in the book of Genesis did God only say one time, let there be light, and there was light? Because he was God. And Jesus, that spoke to the fig tree, was God manifested in the flesh. And so he had a lot of experience at talking to things, didn't he? And he was highly developed. God manifested in the flesh is highly developed. And what he's saying come to pass. Your homework assignment. You don't think I don't give homework. I do. It's later on, homework assignment. You go through Genesis chapter 1 and underline two words. God said. God said. God spoke this world into existence with words that he said so tonight I'm preaching to you about how to speak your world into existence if you don't like the world you live in you can speak your world into existence I'm not talking about rubbing a a magic lamp and a genie hopping out I'm talking about putting into practice what the word of God says now if I had been which I'm not I know I'm surprising you I'm not God, and I'm not the the Savior of the world. I'm not the Lamb of God. I'm not the Messiah. But if I had been God, I'd have only had to speak to that fig tree one, I mean that pine tree, one time. How do you know? Because it's evident. Jesus spoke one time. He didn't stand under that fig tree and said, Free tree, I told you, you're dead. No, he spoke to it, and it dried up immediately, withered away. Isn't it right? Right away, he spoke one time. So when you develop in this and get highly developed in this, it's going to work for you also. And it's going to work quicker for you. But if you don't start on this journey, you can go through life 
and never receive what the Bible has for you. You can go through the rest of your life. You can talk doom, gloom, failure, and defeat, and that's all you'll ever have. All. But if you'll talk what you want to see, it shall come to be. Tell you another story. Anybody remember the very beginning days of TBN? Trinity Broadcasting Network. You know, Paul Kraft is gone now. Things have changed a lot. And then things started changing. And not getting into pros and cons or whatever about TBN. But anyway, when TBN was just a fledgling, fledgling station, and they was getting their own station, they had bought this station, the rights to this station, and, and somebody else had owned it, but they had to get it on air. And they had to bring it online. And you had to shoot the signal from where they were at up to a tower on this mountain over there across the bushes and the hills. And, and then that would broadcast the signal out so everybody could tune into frequency and see it. This is their first station. And, and back then it was the Praise the Lord program. It was before it ever became Trinity Broadcasting Network. It wasn't a network or nothing. They didn't have anything. And so they have all these engineers, high-powered engineers, that knew exactly you know, how to put this thing together. And so they got all this equipment in this little tiny building, you know, and, and tried to get the signal to go from the TV station up to the tower so it could broadcast out this station. And it would not work. It would not go. It would not come online. And he was paying these engineers that were sinners, of course. And he was having to pay them good money. Paul Crouch was. was having to pay them good money. And he knew how to squeeze a nickel. I don't know if he knew that or not. But he knew how to squeeze a nickel. He was taught right. But he couldn't get it to do it. And then finally, these engineers told him. said, Mr. Crouch, said, we're wasting our time here. This signal's never going to go to that tower. And he said... We're going to do one more thing. He said, I'm going to send a fellow out to that tower. And he said, I'm going to stay here on, on the top. And he said, by line of sight, it's going to have a clear line of sight to that tower. He said, we're going to measure and see through electrical instruments, is there a clear line of sight to that tower? Because something is stopping the signal from going. we got plenty of power here. we got plenty of equipment here. And we've got the signal here, but it's not reaching up there. And, and Paul Kraut said, okay. So one man went over there by where the tower was, you know, miles away. The other man got up on the roof with this kind of electronic device. And come to find out, the signal could not travel because there was a mountain in the way. A mountain was in the way. And that mountain was blocking the signal. And so that meant if they didn't bring that thing on, they had one day left. If they didn't bring it online, they would lose their ability to cause this TV station to be there and their license would be revoked by the FCC. It's over. Praise the Lord, TBN, nothing wouldn't be there. So when the engineers came back and told him, said, Mr. Crouch, it's impossible. It won't work. And he didn't have the money to relocate. He didn't have the money to go somewhere else. He was basically, you know, operating by faith and you know, <laughs> helping me, Lord. So Mr. Kraut said, would you give me one more day? Because tomorrow, if I don't come online, tomorrow, tomorrow, I lose my license. It's over. The FCC is going to take it back and give it to somebody else. They can bring it online because I don't have the money to do it. And they said, oh, Mr. Crouch, you're wasting her time. He said, this fellow finally just blew cigar smoke in his mouth in frustration. He said, all right. 
He said, I'll be here in the morning, bright and early. Another guy said, I'll come one more time. And he said, okay. So when they got there the next morning, sun started coming up over the horizon. Nice day, you know. He said the engineers got in and they turned on all the equipment and got everything warmed up in the days of the tubes. Anybody remember TV tubes? If we do, we know how old you are. But anyway, they used to have tubes and TVs and radios. You had to let all this stuff warm up, you know, and get going. He sent the other guy out to the to the tower because he's going to climb up so far to see if with this electronic device can he get the signal. Then they'll know it's working. And so the guy calls him and tells him there's no signal. And the guy says, well, I'm transmitting. And he tells uh, Paul Crouch, he said, it's over. He said, we're going to shut it down. Paul said, no, no, don't shut it over. Don't turn it off. He said, try, just keep trying. Paul said he went out beside the building. And it had a ladder that you could pull down on commercial buildings, if you've probably seen these. They, they push up where people can just grab them and go up. But you can pull them down if you got this little device. And they had this little cord that could pull this ladder down because they'd been up and down it. And he climbed up on top of that building where he knew that antenna was pointing. And he said, he pointed to where that mountain was. And he said, mountain? He said, I command you to move so that my TV signal can go and reach that tower in the name of Jesus. Mountain, do you hear me? All of a sudden, he heard such a clatter and a commotion. And the engineer come running out of the engineer house downstairs and said, Paul, he's got the signal. Paul, he's got the signal. And that's how Praise the Lord program came on air, ladies and gentlemen. Because the man that you would sing that song over, they're coming to take him away. He's talking to mountains. The mountain moved. And then you hear about today TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network. But it started with a man standing on a building talking to a mountain. There's a lot happened since then, but we're not into that. But standing on top of that building, he talked to a mountain. The reason your mountain is still there is because you have not spoke to your mountain. I'm being kind, but that's the truth. The reason the tree is still there is because you hadn't talked to it. And this is the truth about it. Because we're not God, things don't happen as fast for us as it did for Jesus. Jesus spoke one time. The fig tree withered and died. But remember who he was. He was God manifested in the flesh. He spoke the world into existence. He had plenty of experience about doing this. He did not doubt one bit that what he would say would come to pass. He said, let there be light in the book of Genesis. And what? There was light. He spoke and it came. But with you and I, it may take a period of time. And I'm not trying to hinder your faith. Some things that you're believing for seem to just happen just almost magically. It's not. It happens by faith. But it comes to pass quickly. But there are other things that you're going to have to just work on with your faith and keep standing for in the name of Jesus. Isn't that right? So he said here, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. 
I remember this. The Lord told us to sow our twin-engine airplane into another ministry. That twin-engine airplane I was talking to you about just earlier. I was going to sell it and move up to another airplane that was uh, more modern, had a lot more digital avionics and all that stuff. And I was going to sell the airplane. And it had just put uh, over a period of, a you know, six months, I'd put $80,000 in it. And so, uh, I, you know, it was worth some money. But one day, the Lord just said to me in my spirit, I want you to sow this airplane into that ministry over there. I said, I bind you, devil, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know what I mean? It's always the devil. You know what I mean? It's the devil, you know. <laughs> it's the devil. It can't be God. And I'm not calling God the devil. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, you want that to be the devil. You know, and no, no, I don't. Because all my faith and all my natural thinking is, well, I can take this airplane and I can set it for so much. And, boy, that's a good deal. Or even some airplane, new airplane uh, companies were contacting me, offering to give me above fair market value for my aircraft if I would purchase one of theirs. Whew, sounded good. But if the Lord said, doesn't, don't do it, you can't do it. And so I talked to my wife and she said, yes, we need to sew this airplane. We're going to sew it. I said, okay. She's listening to him too. All right. So we saw the airplane. And then we started using our faith for the airplane. Saying, Lord, we thank you for this airplane. Thank you, Lord. We believe this airplane's equipped this way. It's going to have this kind of equipment. It's going to have all this stuff on board. Thank you, Lord, for this airplane. And I went through this for about two years. Over two years. And it looked like it was working in reverse. Have you ever seen anything working in reverse? So the airplanes coming, they were leaving. They were taking off by the thousands, you know what I mean? And going the other way. Looked like it wasn't working. But uh, in December of uh, 2000 and, uh, what is this? This is 14. So 2012, I remember in my house real early in the morning, I had went into the, the bathroom towards the front of our house. My wife, our bedroom's in the back and, and uh, my son's upstairs. So I was walking around downstairs just praying and seeking the Lord. And while I was there, just I just walked in the bathroom to make a little circle, walk back down the hall, walk out to the study, you know, and then come back, go down the hall, and just praying, you know, just to keep from sitting, you know, being active, you know, and praying. Sometimes I sit, sometimes I kneel, sometimes I walk. And I remember walk, making a circle in that uh, front bathroom, just turning around, you know, to come out. And I just said to the Lord, I said, Lord, what is the hold up on this? He said, there's no hold up, he said, on anything. He said, you have backslid on what you're supposed to do. I said, well, Lord, just tell the truth then. Just be honest about it, you know. <laughs> you need somebody to hit you 20 eyes. I said, what is it? He said, you have almost lost faith in the fact that what you have believed from the first time. He said, pick your faith back up. And he said, it'll happen quickly. So I did. I picked my faith back up in that December of 2012. And so in January of 2013, I was right uh, down here in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, in one of our Word and Spirit meetings, and I had some money towards this. But I didn't have near the money that I needed. Then all of a sudden, a gentleman walked into that meeting. In fact, I was shocked when I saw him walk into that meeting. He was fumbling with an envelope and a piece of paper. And I thought, when I went to shake his hand, because I knew who he was, you know. 
And I thought, well, what's he doing here? And so I got to the back where he was at. It was on a morning service on a Wednesday morning. I think third week of January of 2013. And he said, you know who it was. He said, the Lord sent me here. And he said, here, take this money and go buy that airplane. And I did. (laughs) I said, I did. I said, I did. I did. But it, it was amazing. I said it and it came to pass. It's not just about airplanes. Airplanes just a tool for me. If you travel like we do, you need something to get you there. I don't know if anybody's ever driven to Tulsa. We can come here in a little we can come here in a little over two hours in our aircraft. It's a whole lot less than driving. And actually it's less money, Pastor will tell you, than buying an airline ticket. Don't make me turn you all into pilots. Gas, yeah. That's the fuel, yes. The fuel, the cost per flight is actually the fuel burn. Of course, you've got to purchase the airplane and, and other things and insurance. But, you know, I don't even look at all that. God takes care of all that. He takes care of it. But it came to pass. But it came to pass a results of just speaking words constantly out of my mouth. My faith got dim. And believe it or not, you're sitting right here tonight. Some of you started out on a faith journey. And you started saying things that you believe was going to come to pass. But because it was long in coming to you, you let some things slip. You let some things drop. But tonight, we're going to pick them back up. And we're going to see them come to pass. And these things, I believe, is going to come to pass quickly. A lot quicker than what you think they are because we live in that time. And if you'll just get back on it, and start to believe in the Word of God, and speak in God's Word, is going to come to pass quickly. Turn to Mark chapter 11. Again, why am I saying this? I could preach a lot of different things, but this is what the Holy Ghost said for me to share with you. As a church, as a body of believers. Mark chapter 11. This is the same experience that was over in Matthew 21. It's just in a few different words. Mark chapter 11, verse 20 says, And and in the morning, this is speaking of Jesus and his disciples, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree, so it's the same story that's in Matthew 21, dried up from the roots. Verse 21, And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed, which he spoke words to, is withered away. If you don't speak words, it won't happen. You've got to speak words or it won't happen. Jesus didn't think about the tree dying. Just think about it. He didn't just want it to die. He had to speak to it. A lot of people think about things. A lot of people desire things. But until you talk to those things, they're not going to change. Verse 22, And Jesus answering, said unto them, have faith, it literally should be translated, have the faith of God. In other words, act like God acted. That's what it's saying. How did God act? Genesis chapter 1. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 23 says, For verily I say unto you, 
that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. But if you don't say it, you won't have it. You don't just think about it. You don't just meditate on it. You've got to say it. Say means speak words from your mouth. Now, I want to give you a test on the Bible. And we're going to see if you can pass it. Now, because I'm a kind teacher, it's going to be an open book test. And the reason that I want to give you an open book test is to point out the value of what I'm about to tell you, but I want you to see it yourself. And where I learned this value at was from a man I call Dad Hagen, Dr. Kennedy Hagen, that's gone to be with Jesus. And where he learned this at was from Jesus Christ that spoke to him one day. This is what Jesus pointed out to him about what Mark 11.23 actually said. Dad Hagen never realized exactly what it actually said about believing and saying. But Jesus gave him a test on Mark eleven twenty three, and I'm going to give you a test. Open book, and I want us to go through here in Mark eleven twenty three. I'm reading out of King James sixteen eleven edition, but we want to find out how many times the word say or saith is in this verse, and how many times the word believe is in this verse. I want you to see it for yourself because Jesus pointed this out to Dad Hagen. Now here in Mark eleven twenty three, the first phrase doesn't count because he's telling them what he's about to say to them. He said, Verily I say unto you, that whosoever, this is where we start, that whosoever shall what? How many times is the word say in there so far? One time. How do you know? See, you can't fail this test. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall what? Believe. How many times is the word believe in this verse so far? How do you know? How many times does the word say in this verse so far? How do you know? You're doing good. You're passing the test. But shall believe that those things which he what? Saith. How many times does the word say or saith in this verse? How many times does the word believe? How do you know? The Bible says so. Which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he what? How many times does the word say or saith in this verse? How many times does the word believe in this verse? How do you know? The Bible says so. This is a direct quote from Jesus Christ. Jesus told Dad Hagen one time about this verse. And he pointed this out to him. He said three times in Mark eleven twenty three, the word say or saith is in that verse. And only one time in that verse is the word believe found or mentioned. Isn't that right? And Jesus told Dad Hagen, he said, it's not that my people don't believe. He said, but they fail to declare or speak or say what they believe, so therefore they do not receive. And he said to Dad Hagen, you're going to have to do three times as much preaching on the saying part of Mark 11:23 as you do the believing part. And many of you here have probably heard him say it, but the Lord has really stirred me up about getting his people talking again. 
You know, when I remember when I went to Raymond, brother, when you went back there in the 80s, I know it had to be worse, 81, 82, 83. I went 85, 87. Our sister here, you was in the, when? 2001. But back yonder, in his day, in my day, and maybe some others, we used to have confession police. You know what a confession police is? If you was walking down the hall of Ramah and you say, oh, my God, I don't feel good today, they would cast the devil out of you walking in. My God, you don't, you remember that, brother? I'm telling you the truth. I mean, you remember how we used to be? We used to be confession players. We wouldn't let nobody say nothing negative. My God, you don't say that. Uh, I got lumbago, my bago, feel like a Winnebago hit me. Oh, my, you didn't dare say any of that stuff. You would have people jumping on you like a, a chicken on a June bug. My God, they, oh my God, don't say that. Don't you know what the Bible says? Y'all remember them days? We got to get back to some of them days. Helping our brothers and sisters. We're about to talk ourselves to death. I'm telling you, we're about to talk ourselves to death. We need to talk ourselves to life. And there's a difference. But you remember the days of the confession police? I mean, my God, you could not say a negative thing. Even if it was true, you better not say it. They'd kill you. They'd bury you in the Raymond parking lot. I swear they all got all them bushes at Raymond now. They got them buried under there. <laughs> I'm joking. But I'm telling you, fertilizer and pastor said, yeah. My God, I mean, you couldn't say nothing. And it's kind of like we backslid in this area. But if you can backslide, you can front slide. Woo! I like sliding. You know, I used to travel with a band, believe it or not. Don't make me wake them days up. And I had a guy that was with me, William Seagraves. He's in heaven now. He got saved in a Blue Oyster Cult concert downtown Atlanta. The devil himself appeared to him and scared the devil out of him. <laughs> he come out gloriously born again. He was down on his knees with his hands in his air, in the air with squalling tears running down his cheeks. But that boy could play. He was one of the best lead guitar players I've ever seen in my life. He played with the Almond Brothers and all them guys, but he had got to that Holy Ghost guitar and hooked it up. And he used to write, he wrote a song called Sliding into the Arms of the Lord. He'd tune his guitar to E and put that slide on there. If you don't know what that is, bless you. But anyway, oh my God. And we used to go into these prisons and churches and, and with these bands and we'd sing, you know, and, and get to shouting and the dancing and the running and the jumping. But we knew how if you could backslide, you can front slide. The church has gotten away from the confession of God's Word. And we're talking the wrong things. And I'm not getting on anybody. I'm trying to help you here. It's the truth about it. Yeah. It's in love that I say this. But if you'll point your tongue in the direction you want to go, you will arrive there. If you've got a tree, talk to that tree. If you got a mountain, talk to that mountain. Health issue, speak what God's Word says. And just keep standing. Said, Brother Randy, I've been speaking to some issues. Well, I have too. But I'm not going to quit. Because I know it works. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. How many times in Mark 11, 23 is the word say or saith? How do you know? How many times is the word believe? How do you know? The Bible says so, and that's a direct quote from Jesus. Jesus said to Dead Hagen, you've got to do three times as much preaching on the saying part 
of Mark 11, 23, as you do the believing part. He said, it's not that my people don't believe, but they don't declare or speak what they believe. Therefore, they fail to receive. Ladies and gentlemen, you can receive anything within the limitations of God's Word, and it's basically unlimited. If you will meditate on the Scriptures and begin to declare what the Word of God says. And that's why I declare to you this morning that this will be the best year that you have ever had. It'll be the best year spiritually, physically, materially, financially, educationally. It'll be the best year that you've ever had. I'm trying to get you to hook up with that. You know what I mean? If you'll start saying that, even when you don't feel like it, Say it regardless of what you feel, regardless of what things look like. Just keep saying it uh, and it shall come to pass. I started saying at the end of last year because things were looking bleak financially. Things were looking rough financially. Sometimes in the traveling ministry, things will change towards the end of the year. But I started to declare in over November because the Lord dealt with me about this. In fact, I was spending time fasting and praying three days just seeking the Lord, fasting and praying. And I know that's cussing to say fasting. You know what I mean? And I know. But uh, I was fasting and praying. I was seeking God. And the Lord told me. He said, you need to pick this back up. And he said, you need to start practicing yourself. And he said, you can turn this around. So I started declaring this would be the best end of the year that we've ever had in our ministry. I said this will be the best end of the year that we've ever had in our ministry. Well, they kept looking like it wasn't, it wasn't. But guess what? It was. I said it was. It was. Three times as much preaching, Jesus said, on the saying part as you do on the believing part. Now, is it important to believe God's Word? It's very, 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 very important to believe God's Word. But according to this verse, it's more important to say what you believe about God's Word. Is it important to believe words? It's very important. It don't work unless you believe it. You can't just say something without believing it. But if you say something long enough, you're going to believe it. How do you know? If the Word of God says so. So start declaring what you want to see and it shall come to be. Let me close by telling you this story. You know, I told you this morning that I have a full pardon. Full pardon means I have all my civil and political rights restored back to me as a citizen of the United States of America, as well as I have the right to own and possess a firearm, which is shotguns, rifles, and pistols for city folks. And I was in prison for armed robbery. Only God could do such a thing. Paul met the Lord on the road to Damascus. But remember, I met the Lord on the road to Galveston, Texas in the first week of May of 1982 on my third escape from prison. God supernaturally changed my life. But let me tell you how my full pardon occurred. It all came down. First of all, is they have to go make application. You have to have a clear, perfect record, just a speeding ticket, you know, on the highway for... But from the highway patrol or county sheriff or anything can stop you from getting a full pardon, especially with somebody that had a record like I did. But I went and made application, and they didn't give me any hope. And I told them I'm applying for a full pardon with the right to own and possess a farm, and they really didn't give me any hope then. You're just wasting your time. You've been in prison for this and that. And he said, son, he said, you need to get somebody else to put their character on the line for you because you ain't got none. 
He said, I know that you've done this since you got out of prison. You went to Bible school and you went this and that. And he said, but somebody else has got a vouch for you that's bigger than you are. He said, or I'm, I can't get you a hearing. So I contacted some preachers I knew, and they all wrote letters, and that was good and, and well. And the parole officer was glad about that. He said, but you need somebody of notoriety that will stand in the gap for you and put their name on the line for you. And he said, do you know anybody like that? Well, I said, yes, I do. I said, I know somebody that's, uh, that I believe. And I said, uh, that might do it. I said, but I don't know. So I contacted Dad Hagen. I said, Dad? He said, what is it, son? I said, uh, I said I'm applying for a full pardon. Good, good. You know how you do. Good, yeah. Glad to hear. Good, yeah. I said, uh, I need some help. I can help you, son. What, what is it? What do you mean? I said, well, they're not going to grant me even a hearing unless I can get somebody of notable stature in the United States to vouch for me that they believe that my life has changed. He started laughing. He said, oh, they don't believe in the Holy Ghost, do they? (laughs) They don't believe that they'll change people's life. He said, son, you're a new creature in Christ, aren't you? He said, old things have passed away and all things become new. I said, yes, Dad, that's right. He said, well, what you want me to do? I said, would you write a letter and put your signature on it and say anything good that you could conjure up about me if you could say anything good? <laughs> if you could find something good? He said, son, he said, I'll be glad to. He said, get the information to my secretary. And I did. And it wasn't long, just a week or so, I got a call from this uh, officer that's in charge of this hearing. And he called me down and said, I want you to come to my office. I said, yes, sir. I didn't know what had happened. I mean, because, oh, I thought, oh, I've done something because he ain't never done this. And I sat there. He said, do you know a man named Kenneth E. Hagan? I said, yes, sir. I do. He said, how are you acquainted with him? And I said, well, I went to the Bible school that he founded. And I said, from there, I said, I kind of had a relationship with him. And he would allow me to speak in his meetings, you know, and things like that. And I said, uh, that's how I become acquainted with him and been to his meetings. He said, well, I don't know how you've done it. He said, but this man wrote a letter. And he said, he put his character on the line. And he said, if his, my character, talking about me, your character was not good enough. He said he'd put his on the line for me. And he said he would guarantee us that if we would give you a full pardon, that we, I would never revert and I'd never go back to being a criminal again. He said, if that man, he said, I know who he is. He said, if that man says that about you, says that about you, I'll get you in the hearing room. I said, glory, hallelujah. <laughs> Tears running down my cheeks, you know. Thank God, I, I think Brother Hagin always did, you know, Dad Hagin, for that. And then finally the court hearing came. And it was up here in Montgomery, Alabama, because that's where some of the charges had been. And, and they uh, had charges in other states, but they let it all come to that one hearing. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. It was a big court thing. And there's four judges that sits there. Well, I'd flown my airplane and had a little single-engine Piper Comanche then into the Danley Field Airport, Montgomery Airport. And it was out there waiting on me. I had a rental car. And that took a long time. I thought, boy, we're going to be here forever. Then finally they called my name. It was after lunch. And I walked up there and they started talking about this and talking about that. And then finally, to make a long story longer or shorter, I can do it both ways, you know. <clears throat> they said that we're going to grant you a full pardon with you know, the civil and political rights full pardon. 
said, but we'll not be able to, the chairman said, we'll not be able to grant you the right to own and possess a firearm because you was in prison for armed robbery, son. Do you understand that? Armed robbery. I said, yes, sir. And I, I tried to keep a, a faith face. You know what I mean? But that's not what I came for. I didn't come for a partial pardon. I came for a full pardon. So as I turned around out of that courtroom to go get to my airplane, because I had to go and to get up to Greer, Greenville, Spartanburg Airport, and a pastor was going to pick me up, which was going to start a meeting that night. And I was already running behind. But what I'd done is I took off, got to the pay phones for days I've had all these highfalutin selling phones, you know, and called my wife. As I was walking down to call my wife at the pay phone out the back, I was thinking, because it was a long quarter, I was had to walk out of this courtroom. I only have this here in two or three times a year, so there's a lot of people there, you know, for this. So as I'm walking down through there, <clears throat> I was thinking to myself, devastated, you know. I, I've come here for a full pardon, and they're telling me that I'm not going to get a full pardon, but that's what I applied for. As I was walking there, thank God for the Holy Ghost. It's right in my spirit, these words came up. Mark 11:23 will work for you if you'll obey it. Mark 11:23 will work for you if you'll obey it. Well, you know, I, it don't take long to catch on. I'm a country boy, but I do catch on. About the third time, Mark 11, 23, will work for you if you obey it. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast to sea, shall not doubt in his heart, shall believe those things which he saith, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So I didn't say it real loud while I was walking. I'm still walking down. you got people on right and left going down this aisle. I didn't say it real loud. Why? I didn't want them to say that, sing that song. You remember the song? They're coming to take him away. And so I said, out of my mouth, under my breath, I said, I believe that I have received a full pardon in the name of Jesus with the right to own and possess a firearm. And I just said it, kept saying under my breath. By the time I got to the phone booth, you know, where I could call my wife, I called collect. Anybody remember the days of collect calls? I know how old you are then. <laughs> person to person collect call. Y'all remember them? Hallelujah. Operator, information, give me Jesus on the line. Amen. <laughs> Don't make me sing some of them old songs now. Hallelujah. But uh, I called and my wife said, Honey, she's so excited. You know, she married me on credit. I pray you didn't marry him on credit. But anyway, she, she married me on credit. She thought between her and God they can make something out of me. You know what I mean? She was a Church of God girl who went to Lee University, you know, and done all the things right all her life. And here I am, this guy out of prison, come and swept the pastor's daughter off her feet and married her, you know. So she said, Honey... Did you get your pardon? I said, yes, honey. I got my pardon. Oh, glory, I'm glad. She said, you got your pardon? I said, I got it. She said, you know what I mean. Your full pardon. With the right to own and possess a farm. Did you get that? Did you get that? And the devil always knows the Bible. At this, the appropriate times. And this is what the devil said to me. All liars will have their place in the lake of fire. All liars will have their place in the lake of fire. He knows the Bible when he wants to. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're going to be a crispy critter. Yes, if you tell her that, it's going to be a crispy critter. But I realize enough to know that's a devil and I've got to talk faith. Dad Hagen had taught me faith. He had put it in me from stem to stern, from top to bottom, from side to side, wall to wall. And I had to either live it now or shut my mouth. And I said, honey, I said, I got my full pardon with the right to own and possess a firearm. Whee! She's a shouting, so I shouted with her. And I, 
She, I said, I gotta go, honey. I gotta get in the airplane. So I, I hung up. She knew I did, had to go. Hung up, got in the rental car, zipped over the airport, parked it on the ramp. The guys were there to pick up the rental car. And so I jumped in the airplane, got it topped off with fuel, ready to go. Wing, flew up to Greenville Spartanburg airport. Yuck! And landed that thing, you know, and, Pastor Frank Jones, they was waiting for me, pulled out on the ramp of this big suburban to get part of my luggage, just books and things, you know, and put it in that thing. And while we were unloading the aircraft, put it in his car, he said, Brother Randy, he knew I'd just come from this hearing. Brother Randy, did you get your pardon? I said, I got it, Pastor Frank. Uh, he said, you got your pardon? I said, yes, Pastor Frank. He said, I, you know what I mean, your full pardon, with the right to own and possess a firearm. And the devil said, all liars will have all their places. In the lake of fire, you're going to be a crispy critter. He said the same thing to you. He'll tell it to you. And I just spoke out. I said, i got to walk it out now. I said, Pastor Frank, I got it. The full pardon with the right to own him, but that's a fire. He'd done the Pentecostal gender bug on the ramp, and I did too. Weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. We acted just like it was true. We got on up in the mountains. We was renting a college. It helped about, they had about 600 people there. And I got in. The praise and worship team was already going. And I went down to the front row. And Pastor Tom Dubois out of uh, Daytona Beach, Florida area. He was emceeing this meeting. It was a big rhema kind of thing. And he got up and... He said, well, Brother Randy just got here. Everybody, y'all know he's been to his hearing. He said, I hadn't had time to talk to him. He said, Brother Randy, come on up here. He said, why are you coming? He said, did you get your full pardon? Oh, I thought, oh, my God, well, all these people out here. He said, you get your full I said, I got it, Pastor Tom. He said, oh, good. He said, you got your full pardon with the right to own and possess a firearm. The devil said, all liars are going to have their place in the lake of fire. You're going to be a crispy critter. I said, Pastor Tom, I got it. I got it. He stopped and done the Pentecostal jitterbug, and he had ate plenty of biscuits, so he was shaking the platform. I'm here to tell you, that man was a cutting the rug. And so he was kicking things up and knocking dust everywhere. And everybody in there, if it had been chandeliers, would have swung from them. And I just danced with them. I didn't act like, I acted just like I lost my mind like they did. Preached about how good God was. So I'm over, about 30 days later, I'm at home. My wife goes to the mailbox because the mail people come by and deliver the mail. She's coming in from down the driveway and I can see her walking in. She has this big white envelope, about a 9 by 12, and she's opening it up, you know, looking at papers. And I'm thinking, what in the world is that? And so she gets in. And I'm sitting down on the sofa. There's a coffee table there, you know, in front of the sofa. I said, what is that you got there? She said, oh, this is for where you went to that pardon hearing at. And my heart went thumpity-thump. I said, I said, let me see it. She said, no, I'm going to look at it first. Oh, and the devil said again, all liars are going to have their place in the lake of fire. Now they're going to know. Everybody's going to know that you lied. Everybody's going to know it. He'll try you to the end. He'll stay with you to the end. Just outlast him. In fact, in a sense, you don't have to outlast the devil. He's got to outlast you because he's already defeated. And that's the truth about it. And finally, after about four or five minutes of careful examination of these documents by her, she kind of flung them down on the coffee table in front of me and said, Oh, it's just like you said it was. I jumped up and said, Let me see. (laughs) My God. (laughs) Because it wasn't what they said. 
I picked them documents up and it had my name. And it said, restoration of all civil and political rights with the right to own and possess a, a firearm. I shouted, I danced, and I jumped. Moses parted the Red Sea, but I, but I parted the furniture in the living room. My God, I went to dancing. I'm here to tell you, you can have what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say what you want to see, and it shall come to be. It's yours, ladies and gentlemen. And this has happened to me. I could stand here tonight, and I'm not saying I'd be here to daylight. But I could tell you story after story after story after story where this has worked in my personal life. And it's presently working right now on some issues. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. And it'll work for you. Because why? The Bible is true. I talked my way out of prison. Talked my way out. The last time. Talked my way. I'd got a hold of Brother Higgins' materials. I started talking my way out. And I remember at uh, August the 27th, 1984, when I walked out of prison after being told I'd be released on parole in the month of none. And my mama had told me, my mama had told me, honey, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Good Pentecostal lady. I said, mama, I ain't got but one basket. <laughs> if you got more than one basket, use it, but it's Jesus. And I kept telling mama, I'm walking out of here. And she thought, well, if it don't happen, you'll get discouraged. And I don't want to see you get discouraged. But I remember walking out of that gate, August 27th, 8, 10 a.m. in the morning, the last electronic door closed behind me, and there stood my mama on that sidewalk. She leapt up off of that sidewalk. She's shorter than I am. You know, I'm 6'4". She was short, but my granddaddy was 6'8". And my daddy was short, my mama was short, but my, all the boys were tall, you know, most of them except one. Anyway, mama was dangling her feet and dangling, and she's just squalling and crying with joy. I'm going to close with Mama's famous last words that morning. But finally, she got back down on that concrete, standing up in front of that prison. This is for the days of them non-running makeup. So she had makeup everywhere, you know what I mean? Y'all remember that, and they still may have it, I don't know. But they look like ghosts if they got to cry, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not a knocking nobody. Y'all remember them days? They'd run old Pentecost, they'd get to squalling, and that stuff would run everywhere. My God! Well, Mama looked almost like a ghost, but she looked up through those tear-stained eyes. I'll never forget it, because it proves something. She said, honey, she said, the Bible is true, isn't it? I said, yes, Mama, the Bible is true. She knew it was true. She saw it happen in my life. It's true. It'll work for you. This is not just stories. It's the truth. It belongs to you. I better shut up. Y'all just kept me preaching. It's your fault. Amen. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your goodness. I know you were blessed by this message. If you would like to receive more information about Randall Greer Ministries, or if you'd like to receive our free newsletter, just let us know. We'd be happy to send it to you. Just write us at Randall Greer Ministries, P.O. Box 2227, Owasso, Oklahoma, 74055. Or you can contact us at our website, 
www.rgm.me. And remember, God is always with us.